I listened to the words of those songs that were sung. Weren't they great? All the songs. That one that the, the team sing, Tell Me. Man, I love that song. Tell me the story of Jesus. There are so many people out there waiting for somebody to tell them for the first time the story of Jesus. The false cults will talk about their God, which is no God. They'll talk about their Christ, who is no Christ. The false cults will do it. We who know the living Christ, the resurrected Christ, the coming King, we don't talk about it. That's songs that tell me. Let's do. And those blessed choruses, Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. Son of God, I magnify you. Holy Spirit, you're a comfort to me, three in one. You're so precious to me. What a song. First time I heard it was in Saskatoon. The place was filled. It had, the revival had broken out. And I heard them singing that song. It just thrilled me. Night after night as they sang it. Maybe we could sing it the next few nights. Huh? And I say thanks to Larry and his dear wife Patty and Ruth for the tremendous job they're doing. Thanks, people. I appreciate it. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I pray that tonight you will see fit to do what you wish to do. Now, you know, Lord, I'm just a vessel. I can't do anything. I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. I'm only a vessel, but I want to be available because I want you to speak to every single person in this place tonight. Lord, if you would see fit to step down tonight and visit with us in a special way, these people could go back to their areas and they could spread that which you would do in their heart. I'm asking you to do a miracle tonight. Speak to the hearts of every one of us that not one of us will escape the searchlight of the Holy Spirit. For those that are here, that if they died right now, they'd go to a devil's hell. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll grab a hold of them and make hell so real, make heaven so exciting, and make their sins so real they'll repent of their sins and receive the Savior and know the thrill of being born again. For my brothers and sisters here tonight, I pray that they will no longer stand on the sidelines, but they will tonight get into the action because we don't have long before it's going to be home-going time. I pray you'll do the miracle for Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll turn in our Bibles in just a moment. I want to give you the background of the story. It's a familiar one. But I want to use it tonight so that each one of us can hear and listen to what the Word of God is saying. The man's name is Elijah. It means God is salvation. And Elijah was a very unusual man. He was a prophet who believed God, a prophet who obeyed God, a prophet who would do what God said do. And God gave him a very, very special task. He told him to go in to the king, Ahab, and to tell him for three and a half years there would be no rain. And, it, and Elijah says, there will be no rain as it is said according to my word. He was that confident in the orders he had gotten from the Lord. So he hauls off and he says it clearly, there is going to be no rain for three and a half years. Now what went on in that court, I have no idea, but there must have been the jesters there to make fun of him, mock him out. He was the old preacher. He came in. He was making a statement. Who listens to a preacher anyway? This prophet of God. Forget it. And on and on they would go. 
But he left, and God began to move. And there was no rain, no dew. There was nothing to water the ground. And it didn't, wasn't too long before they realized they had a problem. And the problem went on one year. Then it went two years. Then it went three years. And Ahab is desperate. He sends Obadiah out. He says, you cover one area, I'll cover the other. He was so desperate, he himself went out personally to try to find Elijah. Find out where this man is. we got to have him. And all of a sudden, Elijah appears Obadiah. He says, you go tell King Ahab we're going to have a meeting. He said, look, I go tell him, and he comes here, and you're gone again. He'll kill me. He says, no, don't worry about that. We're going to have a meeting. I want us to meet because we're going to put the God of the Bible to the test. Now, up to this time, Elijah had seen some wonderful miracles. The cruise of oil and the, and the barrel of meal kept going for that widow and her son, and that was a miracle in itself. In fact, it lasted one full year. And then her son got sick and her son died. And she said, oh, man of God, what is, what, why has this happened? Why are you here to remind me of my sins? He said, give me the child. He takes the child up to his chamber, lays it on the bed, and he starts to pray. And then three times places himself on that child. And the Bible says God heard the prayer of Elijah. And the breath came back into that child. And he took him down to his mother and said, oh, now I know that thou art a prophet of God. You see, Elijah was in tune with heaven, people. He was a man that believed God. He was a man that lived for God. He was a man that was waiting for orders from God. And when they came, he didn't argue. He didn't complain. He didn't gripe. He did it, even to the extent of being mocked out and made fun of. Now, there's going to be a meeting. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, please. 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to begin reading with verse 17. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning to read with verse 17. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Elijah answered and said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, that they have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, prophets of the grove four hundred, each at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Now get the picture. Keep the Bibles open when you use Get the picture. He says, get all the people up on Mount Carmel. There had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people had to be there. And they were all excited. They had to be. This was going to be a meeting such as they had never seen before. 450 well-dressed and in their regal robes, the prophets of Baal. They were there. When they came, you can imagine the people were impressed. They had to be. This was an unusual setting. They were looking upon men who were very different. These were the leaders of the great God, Baal. And here he comes. He's all by himself, as far as the crowd can see. He's alone. He comes up, and they look at him. He's not dressed in the robes that they are. In fact, his dress would be very poor. But he comes, and as you look close at that man, you see something very different about him than you do about the 450 prophets of Baal. You look in his eyes and you see a fire that they don't have. Because this is God's man. 
he gets up to the top and the people are all listening because he called it and it's quiet deathly quiet in verse 21 and Elijah came unto all the people and said how long halt ye between two opinions if the Lord be God follow him but if Baal then follow him and the people answered him not a word he put a challenge to him he said how long are you gonna stand there and ride the fence either is follow God or Baal make up your mind what's it gonna be how many are gonna follow God nobody makes a move the thousands of people just stood there well he said let me tell you something people I want you to know there's a prophet of God in the land and I met then said Elijah to the people, I even only, I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, let them choose one bullock for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood and put no fire under. I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. Now you hear the people. They all say, that's good and well spoken. We'll go with that. Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, dress it first for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. Now please notice, they took the bullock, which was given them, they dressed it, called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon. They were going all day at this. And they were saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. Now, I want you to see how serious these men were. It came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. Now, Elijah obviously had a sense of humor. Don't ever knock a preacher he's got a sense of humor. Thank God he has one. God dumped the load on me when it came to humor. I work with kids, young people. It goes a long way. He had a sense of humor. Look what he says. He, Elijah mocked him and said, cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he's talking, or he's pursuing, or he's in a journey, or maybe he's even gone to sleep. Let's get with it, boys. Wake him up. And the funny part is, they listened to him. The Bible says, they cried aloud. They hollered. Hey, Baal, wake up. Come on, we need some action here. Wake up. Now, don't kid yourself. The devil would have loved to answer those prayers. God said no. You see, the devil is a created being. If you're involved in demon worship or worshiping the devil, you're automatically on a losing team because the God that made him has already condemned him to an eternal hell. And all those who worship him are going to follow suit right along with him. And so we find this is going on. Now they get serious. They're jumping up on the altar and they're taking out their knives and they begin to cut themselves and the Bible says the blood begins to flow they cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them And it came to pass when midday was past and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded have you ever heard people say, well, listen, you got to remember, if you're sincere, that's all you really need. Now, we're all going to the same place. We're just taking different roads, and we're sincere. 
they were sincere, you couldn't get any more sincere than that. They were cutting themselves and losing their blood. But they were sincerely wrong. You can be as sincere as you want on the road you're on saying, I'm going to make that town. But if you're on the wrong road, no matter how sincere you are, you get to the wrong town. You don't get to the place you were going because you're on the wrong road. God made it clear. You want to get into my heaven, you're going to have to come my way. And there aren't a lot of ways. In fact, there aren't even two ways. God says, there's one way. And Jesus said, I am the way. There's no other way about it. They're cutting themselves. They're doing everything they can. Comes in the evening, Elijah said, okay, guys, you had all day. Now it's my turn. Elijah said unto the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. He took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. He built up the altar, and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. He put the wood in order, cut the bullock in pieces, laid them on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. The most precious commodity they had was water. He asked for four barrels. They did it. He said, do it the second time, that's eight. Do it the third time, that's 12. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Dear God, let them know I'm your servant. I'm doing everything you've asked me to do. Now turn their hard hearts back again. And the Bible says, And the fire of the Lord fell consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the very water that was in the trench. God Almighty heard that prayer. The fire fell and God consumed everything on that altar. The bullock, the wood, the stones and even licked up the water and the dust. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Listen to this. Solomon finishes praying. He has prayed now as he dedicates the temple. He's been on his knees on a platform in front of the people. And he lifts his hands to God and he prays a lengthy prayer in chapter 6 of Second Chronicles. Listen to chapter 7. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. When Elijah prayed, fire fell. 
When Solomon prayed, the fire fell. The people in Elijah's day had been blessed by God, and instead of following the God that led them out of Egypt and would lead them into this promised land, they hauled off and they did their own dirty, filthy ways, and they worshipped false gods, and they went into all kinds of immorality, and the fire fell, and they bowed the face, and they said, He's God. Solomon prayed, fire fell. They bowed and worshipped God. Today, we have the privilege of having the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. This is the gospel. And God says, I have given to you the privilege of being spared the fire that I'm going to pour out upon sinful man. Because the Bible says in Psalm 11, upon the wicked, God's going to rain fire, snares, brimstone, a horrible tempest. God says, that's the fire of judgment that's coming. God says, you don't have to have that. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. And the earth and all that is going to be burned and consumed by fire. The fire of God is falling in the last day. It's going to fall to destroy the world, and the heavens and earth are going to flee from the presence of him that sitteth on the throne. And the elements are going to melt with fervent heat and be dissolved. The earth also, that Aaron, shall be burned up with fire. Upon the wicked, fire cast into eternal fire, the fire of God. God says, you don't have to have that judgment. I've arranged it so you can be spared that judgment. I have arranged it that my judgment fell upon my son back when he died on that cross. My judgment fell on him, and if you will go to him, I will, for his sake, spare you. The beautiful part of that is when we go to the cross, the Judgment of God can never fall again on the cross. Never again fall on Jesus. He took it once for all. Now, he says, I'll give you eternal life. And you can get into my Father's heaven and you can be spared the judgment of my Father. I'll put my robe of righteousness around you. I'll guarantee you eternal life. I'll put you into heaven. All you have to do is to admit to my Father, you're a sinner because all have sinned short of that glory. And all you have to do then is admit to my Father that you can't save yourself because Jesus said you can't. Not by works of righteousness, which you do, God says, can't do it. And Jesus said, believe I have eternal life because I do. God placed it into me. And if you'll repent of your sins, Jesus said, of course, if you don't repent, you're going to perish. But if you'll repent of your sins, change of mind, say, I don't want it, and invite me in, as many as receive Jesus, to them he gives power to become children of God, you can have eternal life. That is the most exciting news I can tell a teenager. That is the most exciting news I can tell an adult. That is the most blessed news I can tell anyone. If you invite Jesus Christ in, you have eternal life and a guarantee of a home in heaven. And in this crowd tonight, the great, far greater majority of you are Christian people. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You have accepted Jesus Christ. Now you come to the crisis in your life. You have in your heart as it were you have the altar it's there you have the wood on the altar it's there you have the bullock cut in pieces laid on the altar it's there the tragedy is no fire 
the fire of God has not fallen on your altar to burn out the dross and to put within you a fire of God that says, I want to live for Jesus. You're standing where the crowd stood. How long halt you between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. If Baal, serve him. In other words, God said, and he made it clear, you Christians, you're lukewarm, you make me sick to my stomach. I will spit you out of my mouth. You're standing on the side, halting between two opinions. You're not going to serve God, and yet you don't want to get away from eternal life, so you're going to try to ride the middle ring. God says, you make me sick. In fact, I spit you out of my mouth. That's what you do to me. We desperately need the fire of God to fall on our lives. Why don't we have the fire of God on our lives? It was read tonight by our preacher brother. Listen to it. If ye then be born again, risen with Christ, Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Here God says you're to seek that which is heavenly. You're to seek that which is right. Seek that which is holy. Be after that which is of God. Not this world. That world. The things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above not on things on the earth. This is why the fire hasn't fallen on most Christians. That's why most of you probably sitting here, you haven't a clue what this is all about. The dross isn't burned out of your life. You're living your own self-centered, personal life the way you want to live it. And God says, how do you expect to have my blessing unless you allow me to set my fire in that altar? That means you're going to have to live for that world, not this world. You don't want to do that. You've got your little playthings in this world. You've got your little idols in this world. You're working for this world and the things of this world. How foolish. God says, do right. Seek the things above. Set your affections on them. I set my affections on my wife. I love her. I set my affections on my two sons. I love them. Set your affections. I love being with them. I love spending time with them. We as a family have done, we, Marge and I never took a vacation without our boys because we were a family. Love them. God says, set your affections up there. Now, Wes, you love your family, that's fine. But now, love me even more than them. Set your affections on things up there more than things on the earth. Put everything you have into that world. When you do that, you're going to live a life that I can bless. And the fifth verse says, and don't do evil. Mortify the flesh. Refuse to do wrong. In other words, we need men and women who are willing to step out, say, I'm leaving the crowd of a normal Christian and I'm going to step out for God, and I'm going to be an unusual Christian. I'm going to be the kind of a Christian God can turn that fire on my heart, burn out the dross, and set me ablaze for Jesus Christ. Oh, God, give us preachers like that, evangelists like that, Christians like that. Why don't we have it? Because it's costly. Today, nobody wants to make a commitment. Oh, no. We aren't committed to marriage. Well, we're not in love anymore, so we're going we're gonna to divorce. 
one fine counselor made it very clear. He said, what does being in love have to do with staying married? It has nothing to do with it. You've made a commitment. God will take care of the love. You just get your eyes straightened and your heart straightened out with him. He'll put the love back in the marriage. But we want to quit. We're not committed to anything anymore. We're not committed to our jobs. We're not committed to this. We're not committed to family. We just play games. Nobody wants to be committed because commitment means it's going to cost. Nobody wants to pay a price. To be a committed Christian means simply this. I have decided I'm going to step out of the crowd. I'm going to allow God to turn the fire of, of his holy living, as it were, in my life, and the fire of God can burn out the dross. I am going to follow God. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to set my affections on things above. I'm not going to allow anything or anyone to stop me. When you become a committed Christian, you say, no one, no circumstance, no decision, nothing is going to keep me from following that commitment I've made. What is the commitment? I will follow Jesus. Elijah walked up on that mountain. He looked alone, but he wasn't. God was there. And God and Elijah made a majority over 450 prophets of Baal. God and Elijah. Elijah says, God, I'm your servant. You know that. Show this to the people. Now, I've done everything you've asked me to do. So now what I want you to do is I want you to bring their hearts back to you. Do you hear that? Bring their hearts back to you. He was interested in God. Not in himself, in God. I want them to have the hearts back to you. Please answer by fire. And I'm not saying it to be funny, but I know Elijah never got near that altar. He stayed away. He stood back because he knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. He stood back. The fire, Lord, he no more than finished the prayer. God says, you've got it, Elijah. And the fire People fell on their face and said, Jehovah, he is God. When the fire falls on the life and heart of a Christian, sinners will get converted. People will come to Jesus because they realize there's Christianity in action. Wayne was preaching today, and I heard him say something that I had never heard before. He said there was a teacher that he had written, uh, he was witnessing through his essay, he had written the thing, and then at the bottom it says, made comments, and he made comments, and he gave her a complete, complete plan of salvation, and she wrote back on the thing and said, Wayne, I'm not a heathen. But this was the gist of it. But, until I see real Christianity in action among those who claim to have it, I'm not interested. I want you to be honest tonight. Has the fire fallen on your altar? Has the fire fallen on your altar? What kind of a Christian are you? Our churches are filled with people that claim to be Christian. What kind are you? We need Christians that are willing to say, Dear God, I don't care what it costs. I'm stepping out from the crowd. How long are you going to halt between two opinions? I'm not going to halt anymore. I'm going to step out. They'll laugh at me. 
There'll be Christians that'll mock me because they don't want to be spiritual and I'm going to, I'm going to follow you, so that means I'm going to be a holy man because I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to live with that world in view. And I'm going to live consistently. And I'm not going to let anything change it. I don't care what anybody says, I'm going to follow you. I am not going to turn my back. I want the fire of God to fall on my heart. Oh, if that could be drilled into your life tonight. If you dear people would be willing to say, Go ahead, God. I will step out of the crowd. How long are you going to halt between two opinions? No more. I'm going to follow you, God, and step out. The fire would fall. And then as the fire falls upon your life, the fire spreads. And the fire falls in the church. Conviction comes. Christians get right. Wrongs are made right. Love of the brethren becomes a part of our life and all of a sudden people have know, know we've been with Jesus and pretty soon Jesus becomes the talk of Morton and Morris and Steinbeck you name it Eltona, the rest all of a sudden it's Jesus we're talking about why? because the fire has fallen, the fire has burned out the dross and the fire of the blessed Holy Spirit has given us a love for Jesus Christ and everything God does is for Jesus sake and he gives us a love for the Savior. He says, that's it. Oh, and people look and say, what's happened to them? And we don't even think more anything about it. A conversation opens and all of a sudden, by the way, have I told you what Jesus Christ means to me? It is so exciting to be a Christian. You say, I can do that? No. God will do it through you. Because when you become that kind of a Christian, when the fire falls, you're available. And you're ready. Lord, whatever you have, I want to do. People, some of you may not even last a week. I may not be here Sunday. I may die before then. I don't know when I'm going to die. Jesus may come tonight. I don't know when he's coming. But do you realize if you let the fire of God fall on your life, you let him do what he wants to do, and you become that committed Christian you are fulfilling the purpose God saved you for, the purpose he created you for, and you're fulfilling his design for your life. Most Christians live and die and never know what it is to fulfill the purpose for which a holy God created you and saved you. They don't. They've got their eyes on this world, not on that one. And this is their life. To live for here, for now, right now. This is it. A handful of Christians say, dear God, I'm stepping out of the crowd. God says it won't be easy. I know that. But you and I make a majority, God. And as I put my head on the steering wheel that night after the church service, in a little town that I was a pastor in, I cried. I had made a commitment at 24. I was now 27. I said, God, how much do I have to take? I'm getting tired of it. You see, my life was threatened. They tried to burn me out. They tried to run me out. They did everything they knew how to get rid of me as a preacher because I was preaching the gospel and they were sinners. And folk were getting saved. And it got hot and heavy. 
Lord reminded me. And he said, wait a minute, Wes. Have you been stoned yet? No. Thrown in the stocks? No. Left for dead? No. Son, don't get discouraged. You and me make a majority. Listen. Walk downtown, have a woman come up to you and damn you to hell and back again because three of her kids got saved in your Sunday school. What do you do? Stand there. People are laughing. She's swearing at you like mad. Put my hands in my pocket and I looked. And in my heart I said, Lord, what do I do? I said, pray out loud for her soul. I did. Cried out to a holy God to do a miracle and save her precious soul. She fled like you couldn't believe. You could just, she just tore down the road to get away. Scared to death. I said, how much more, Lord? Just a little more, son. And then I'm going to show you my power. And it got so bad I knew there was bloodshed coming up. Saints and the sinners, and the sinners were determined they were going to do some damage. And my heavenly Father said, now watch. And in one fell swoop, he brought that town, as it were, to its knees. One act. All it took. I walked down the street, and I'm not saying it to be smart, I felt like Elijah from out I walked down, and they said, hello, Reverend. So nice to see you. I was the most respected man. Before that, they'd cuss, damn. What happened? God said, stick with it, son. I'm going to show you a miracle. I look back at that miracle. I say, God, that's the greatest thing. Man, that's exciting. That's say my thing. Fire fell. God literally broke that down. People were getting saved everywhere. God says, you just stick with me, son. I'll show you the power I've got. I would never want to live any other way but under that blessing. Youth for Christ man asked me. I was in Youth for Christ, as you know, for 12 years, nine of them in Canada. He said, Wes, and he made some couple statements. He said, why? I looked at him. I said, Earl, if you had walked where I walked and seen what I've seen, the power of God, what he can do, he said, man, there's no way in the world you'll want to live any other way but for Jesus. People, he wants to bless you tonight. He wants to do a miracles for you tonight. He is anxious to take that life of yours and use it for the honor and the glory of his son, Jesus. All he says is step out. How long are you going to stand back and compromise and pussyfoot around? Step out. We need preachers that'll step out. Say, dear God, let the fire fall. I'm going to be your man. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what the denomination thinks. I don't care what the big shots think. I only care what you think. I'm going to be your man. Let the fire fall. He will. Dads, we need godly men in our homes. Men who will take the leadership and haul off and read their Bible to the family and have prayer and all the rest. We need men of God. You need to step out tonight and say, I'm going to be that man. Dear God, let the fire fall. I'm going to be that kind of a Christian. I don't care what my brothers do as the saying goes, but I'm going to follow you. We need mothers who will do the same thing where their kids can look and say, oh, I've got a godly mother. Oh, I love my mother. She loves Jesus. Moms, you need to step out tonight. Let the fire fall. Burn out the dross, Lord. I'm going all out for Jesus Christ. Let the fire fall.
He will. He's promised. But it's going to cost you. You've got to step out. And you don't dare make a commitment and turn back. Because God will punish you. At 24, I made the commitment. My wife's here tonight, and she knows I'm telling the truth. I haven't turned back yet. I'm, I'd be scared to death to turn back. But more than that, I wouldn't trade this living. I'm no example that I'm setting up. What I'm saying is, I have made the commitment. I will follow you, Lord God. Six days I fought him on it until he almost took my life. And then I said, I will be the preacher you want. I didn't want to be a preacher. I got my degree in music, and that's what I wanted. And I said, I'll be a preacher. And three weeks later, when I said that, the love of the Lord Jesus filled my heart, and I loved him desperately. I couldn't love him more. Three weeks later, he put me to the test and said, okay, son, now we're going to find out if you really mean what you say. And they asked me to come and preach to a youth group, and I said, hey, I'm no preacher. I don't know how to preach, but I got a buddy that can preach. God says, what'd you say? I'll never forget it. I was scared. He had almost taken my life the first time around. I said, kids, I'll be there. I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I'll be there week from Sunday, this was Saturday night because I was running Youth for Christ. week from Sunday, I came to their group. I tried all week to get a sermon. I couldn't. I tried all week to get something from the Lord. I didn't get any but blind Bartimaeus. I came. They were singing Three Blind Mice and Old Hiram's Goat. There was a youth group. It was ridiculous. Thirty kids, teenagers, three Christians. I sat down, did what I could on the piano, had a little fun, but then I got into... I read the story of blind Bartimaeus, and I bowed my head to pray, and God says, well, you could at least give a testimony. I thought, well, I could do that. So I said, um, before I pray, I'd like to tell you what Jesus means to me. And I didn't realize it, but I was crying. And I was telling about the one I loved dearly. And I didn't know it, but I was crying. And I was telling them how Jesus died for how he shed his blood and he took the judgment of God for me and oh I was so glad I could invite him into my life and become a Christian blind Bartimaeus was blind physically I was blind spiritually and Jesus came in and changed my life I told him all about Jesus I told him how Jesus died for them and how if they were willing to say I'm a sinner I can't save myself I believe Jesus has eternal life I repent I want to receive Christ they too could become a Christian like I did I said, shall we pray? And I was just going to pray. And God said, wait a minute, Wes. Maybe there's a kid out there who wants to get saved. I said, okay. I said, maybe there's a kid out here who'd like to get saved. You'd like to accept Jesus like I did. If you would, raise your hand. Twenty-seven hands went up. I didn't think they understood, and I went through it again. Twenty-seven hands. I said, they can't understand I explained it again. I said, don't raise your hands. If you mean it, you come down here. Twenty-seven kids came to the front, and they were doing what I was doing. They were weeping. I led twenty-seven kids to Jesus that night. And I got out in the car. I was so physically and emotionally drained. I just sat there with my head on the steering wheel. And here's why I'm telling you this. God said, Wes, 
do you see what I can do when I have the vessel? That's it. Availability. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't have the power. Just be available. I said, yes, sir. How about you tonight? Are you willing to be available? You're willing to leave the crowd that's the mediocre type of crowd playing both ends against the middle and say, Lord, turn the fire on. I want the dross burned out. I want to be your man or your woman or your young person. I'm taking my stand for you. Burn out the dross. Show me my sin. I'll confess it. Repent of it. Just clean me. And then put the fire of the Holy Spirit in my heart that I'll be that burning witness you want me to be. Not ashamed of Jesus. Absolutely thrilled I'm a Christian. I without Jesus, I beg you to take him because you may be dead tomorrow and that means eternal separation from a holy God. Shall we pray? Father, I pray tonight that you'll do what I sure can't do. Lord, as I think back on that story and realize when Elijah prayed and the fire fell, oh, what a miracle. And yet there's a greater miracle that took place the night you saved me. That's far greater than fire falling from heaven on an altar. Because that was just temporary. My soul is eternal and you saved me. And what you did for me, you've done for most of these people here. I'm sure they're Christian. And Lord, I had that experience at 17. I'm sorry I didn't know before what you wanted. But when I was 24, you told me. And I decided I had to step out from the crowd. I'm glad I did. You've blessed me beyond anything I deserve. And I say thank you publicly. I love you for who you are. I pray for my brothers and sisters in the Lord tonight. I pray that their Holy Spirit, with his convicting power, will make them realize their position before thee. Many of them are sitting or standing with the crowd that says, I'll wait. I'll ride this middle of the road for a while. They're halting. They're not stepping out. Dear God, give us people who tonight, with all of their heart, will say, I'm stepping out. I'm making a commitment. I am willing to follow the Lord in spite of and no matter what the price will be. I want to be that kind. Heads about, eyes are closed. I wonder how many of you God has spoken to tonight. You said, Wes, God has talked to my heart. Well, there's been an awful lot of prayer going up. If you feel that way, I'd like to see your hand for a moment. Now, I'll ask you to just put it up till I see it and put it down again. I want to pray for you. West, I want to be that way. God bless you. You, 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 you. God bless 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 you. And you, and you, and you. And you, and you. God bless you. And you. I want to step out, West. I really do. Heads about, eyes are closed. I want to ask this question. I've never done this before. I'm going to do it tonight. All of you kids that are under 25, 
How many of you in your heart tonight can honestly say, Wes, I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out, God. I don't care what it's going to cost me. I'm stepping out. I'm making a commitment. I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to stand. If you're that age group, I want you to stand if you mean it. Kids, I want you to look at me. First of all, I love you. You know that. If you mean what you're saying tonight, God will have his fire fall on your heart. He'll burn out that dross gang. He'll put the fire of the Holy Spirit in that light. And you kids can be dynamos for Jesus. You can be a blaze for the Lord. Is that what you want? You want to be that kind? All right, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray for these kids. I love every one of them. As I look in their faces, oh, God, I pray this is not just an emotional moment. This is an eternal decision. Tonight they're saying to thee, whether they've done it before or not, they're saying to thee now, I'm stepping out from the crowd. I'm going to be a God-controlled Christian committed to Jesus Christ. Father, please, for Jesus' sake, put your arms of love about these kids and draw them so close to yourself. Give them such a love for the Savior they can hardly believe it's possible. May they live and love and serve you, dear Jesus. Give them that special touch tonight as the fire of conviction would drive away any dross. May the fire of the blessed Holy Spirit himself be their portion. Let them be different. Give them a hunger for the Bible. Get them into their Bibles first thing when they get home. May they read their Bible. May they pray. May they start to hide thy word in their heart that they might not sin against thee. Make Jesus real. The holy angels and the presence of the Lamb and their smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. This is the God of the Bible that says to John, write, I want the people to know the end of those who reject my love gift, Jesus Christ. God said, These shall drink of the wine of the wrath of me, a holy God, which will be poured out without any mixture, meaning it'll be full blast. And they shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the angels, in the presence of the Lamb. The Bible says in the 19th of Revelation these words, 